Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, this is our transfer window recap special. Of course, had to be joined by Dave Hendrick, who you can find on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore. Of course, you know him from Anfield Index and from this show for like four or five years now. Um, Dave, an absolute pleasure uh, to be with you. Before we get into all the um, actual team-by-team grades, what did you make of this kind of split deadline day thing that we had to deal with this year? I don't like it at all, Kev. In fact, I, I pretty much hate it. I think if you're going to do it, you have to open the window the day the season ends if you want to do it this way. But all the, all the countries are going to have to fall in line. It, it just doesn't work like this. It leaves Premier League clubs vulnerable. Like, what would have happened to Chelsea if Eden Hazard had just down tools the day after the window closed and said, either sell me to Real Madrid or, you know, I'm not going to play? That That's them screwed. That ruins their whole season. They can't replace them. Um, the same with you guys. If Toby had just down tools and demanded to be, you know, allowed to go to PSG or Barcelona mm-hmm. or whatever, it just, I don't think it works. Yeah, it seemed a silly play, and I'm sure when the FA chose it, they kind of thought everybody would follow suit sooner rather than later. Um, but regardless, we have to do this now after the entire window is closed, because <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't have a very full picture of what happened. Um, so yeah, let's just head right into the grades now. This will be a long show, of course, split between uh, uh, this channel on EPL uh, Index slash EPL Roundtable and then the other one on Anfield Index. Um, which you can, of course, download. They have an app and everything. It's great. Uh, but just diving into it now, Arsenal, for them, uh, I've given them a B- minus as their grade. It felt like a very strange split window. You, you're, you're bringing in players like Licksteiner and Leno and Socrates, all of whom are coming off not great years. Licksteiner, in his defense, largely because of age. Um, but I kind of felt like they were paying for names when the name is bigger than the quality that they'll bring to the side. Um, So I I just thought that was a little strange. Like, yes, they needed a new goalkeeper. Yes, they needed a new center back. They probably needed uh, an extra wing back there in Licksteiner. But it just feels like they chose a very weird way to do it. And in kind of like an aged slash experienced, in air quotes, um, group of signings. And then paired that with very promising signings like Lucas Torreira, um, who I think they secured before the World Cup started, if memory serves, um, is was obviously on display for them. Very young, very promising. Not quite there yet. Uh, same with Guendouzi, who they brought in for $7.5 million, who is actually starting for them already. Those two seem very good signings. They just don't seem to match up with the other three they brought in. Dave, it kind of reminds me of uh, Everton's window last year, where it seemed like two different people were making the decision. So you had like the Vlasic and... Um, 
uh, Adamola, Lookman, you had all those promising guys, and then they were like, but also Rooney again. You're like, what's the choice being made here um, in, yeah. in, the, in the scouting room? It, so it was just kind of split like that for me. I don't think it was an awful window. They're a better team now than they were before they made these signings, but just a, a little strange for me. Yeah, I think it's a very strange window. It's the kind of window you would expect a club like West Ham to have, where they go and yeah. they snatch up a few kind of experienced older players that people know of, and then they bring in a couple of really promising young players. Like when Dozie's a fantastic talent, I think they've done well to get him in. Seven and a half million, I think, will prove a bargain in the long term. Lucas Torreira is one of the three best signings any Premier League club has made this summer, in my view. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, and they got him from under the noses of Napoli as well. But the rest, I mean, I've been a huge fan of Lichtensteiner, uh, Lichtensteiner for the for the majority of his career at Udinese. And now, obviously, um, uh, well, at Juventus. Uh, now he's at Arsenal, but he's 34. He's lost quite a bit of his pace. Which he, he was not the engine. paciest player to begin with. No, he was basically, if you can imagine James Milner... If James Milner had played as a wing-back his entire career, you'd have Stefan Licksteiner. That's basically what he was, and he was a good player, but he's just he's well past his best. I think he represents a good backup for Bellerin and a good mentor for Bellerin and perhaps can help Bellerin improve his defending. But I just don't see that as a, as a good piece of business, really. Um, Leno, I'm not a fan of. He's error-prone. He's inconsistent. He's... He's got a low ceiling, I think, in terms of development. I wouldn't have signed him. And Socrates, uh, another one, like a couple of years ago, he was a very good defender in the Bundesliga. But as with certain defenders of that style, overnight he went from being a good defender fundamentally to a complete liability. Do you think that's just a confidence of, thing? No, I think it's just an age thing, to be honest. It happened with us with Stefan Ancho. Ancho was a very, very good defender for us, like one Saturday, and then the next weekend, the the little tiny fraction of pace that he had had deserted him, and all of a sudden he just couldn't move anymore. And that's kind of what I see when I see Socrates playing. I just I think they could have done much, much better. I think you look at the money they paid for him, West Ham got Issa Diop for similar money. That would have made so much more sense. A much younger centre back, much higher ceiling in fitting with what you seem to be looking to do with, with Guendouzi and Torreira build for the future. The same with Bernard Leno. Why not buy Alban Lafont, um, who went for, for peanuts yeah. to Fiorentina? You know, it just it's an odd window. I give them I give them a B. Part of that is because I like the managerial appointment. I like Unai Emery. I think he's a good manager. I think he'll do well there. Um and you know the question mark on Arsenal is what happens post Wenger in terms of filling the power vacuum that he's left behind. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to sum it up. It seems like with Arsenal, we still have more questions than answers after their window because a clear direction was not taken. Um, next up, we'll hit Bournemouth. Uh, Dave, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I really like this window. Um, they brought in David Brooks from Sheffield United, who's a very, very talented young player, an attacking midfielder, can play wide. Um, there was a big debate over whether he was going to choose England or Wales as his national team. He's gone with the Welsh team, and I think he'll do very well for them. Very uh, talented got, young Welsh team. We just spoke with Gitto the other day. There's a lot of yeah. talent coming through right now. Well, you've got Ben Woodburn, obviously, Liverpool, Ethan and Padu at, at Chelsea, and there's a bunch of others. It's a very promising time for Welsh football. And 
it's what they're going to need because obviously Bale and Ramsey are heading towards like their late thirties. So you know you need to have these young players coming through so that you can maximise the last year, last you know three four years of, of mm-hmm. Bale and Ramsey because yeah. they failed to do that in the past. Uh, Diego Rico they brought in left back, Spanish left back. Don't know a whole lot about him, but he is quite highly rated. And Jefferson Lerma they brought in from Levante, a big big money signing for them, out and out defensive midfielder. I think he's going to prove a very good signing. I think him and Lewis Cook together will give them a very formidable pairing in midfield. So for me, I'm going to go with a B plus. That's exactly what I have them down for as well. I, I did think maybe a little bit of an overpay on Lerma, but the fact that you get him in and you get to either pair him with Cook or he can replace Cook if Cook is eventually sold, like the, that like double value... I think might might make him just about worth it. I agree on Rico, and I do think he's more talented than Charlie Daniels. But Daniels is just like such a mainstay in this Bournemouth team. He may just kind of have to wait his turn a bit. And Brooks, I I totally agree for for ten million. I mean, great mm. signing. Just a little bit misses that end product that you want from somebody playing as far up the pitch as he does. Um, but all in all, yeah, solid business from them. I mean, the fact that they added Brooks and Rico for just under for just about twenty million pounds. Um, in a market where everything was so slow and inflated and, and strange, I, I think they had a very solid win- uh, window as well, which is why I also gave them a B plus. Um, <clears throat> on to Brighton now, and we we talked about the split window earlier. I have a different grade for them now than I had at the beginning of the season because uh, signing both uh, Andone and Jan Baksh. I thought were very good signings. Bernardo, I was excited about. The fact that they got Yves Basuma, I thought was a really good signing from Lille after almost everybody was trying to get him in mm. January. Um, and all of those four players, that quartet, has made two starts for Brighton thus far. And that that just it tints it a little bit. And if you blame me for letting the actual matches thus far impact my grades, uh, blame this dumb weird window that we had. Um, yeah. But like those are very talented players, <clears throat> and like Glenn Murray can't keep doing what he's doing. I think, but he does. So I might just be wrong on that. He may be the lesser of players where I just keep thinking it can't keep happening, and it does. But Andoni should be starting up front for them. Jan Bach should be starting on the wing. Basuma should be starting. Bernardo should be starting every week. But they're not. And that, that just gives me a little bit of concern. So originally had them as an A-, minus. now have them as a B-. minus. Um, but if, if all those players start getting involved and they start playing at their best, this could really go well. But specifically Jan Bach, I'm a little concerned about the continued negative correlation between Dutch signings and Premier League clubs. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting one because he, he had that spectacular season last year for Alkmaar and there was a lot of talk that he might go to Ajax and have that step up in Holland before he left. But he's, he's jumped straight to the Premier League and it is a big jump and there's not many players that can make that jump and fit in straight away. I like the window overall. Um, I like Andreas Stryer that they brought in. I like Billy Arsa that they brought in as well. I think they've done well, They but they brought in a lot of players. That's kind of where I'm a little bit wary. There's an awful lot of players for a team that had such an established core. And I do wonder if maybe this is where Chris Hewton's thinking is, that he kind of wants to change that core in stages and not do it all at once. So I kind of err with you. I'd give them a B. Um, I did look at it kind of as the window closed as an A, especially when they landed Martin Montoya Mm, um, right at the death, who's a very good right back. But 
I think it's going to be, this is the type of window where I think they'll see the real benefit of it next season if they stay up. I think that's when all these players will be fully settled in. I think Hutton is a, is a clever manager. I don't think he'll rush guys in if he doesn't feel they're ready. I think he wants to give guys like Bernardo, like Andone, and especially Jan Bagash. I think he wants to give them time to, to get to know English football and to settle in. And I think at that point, he will he will see a lot more of them. So I think next year we'll we'll see the real benefits of this, but I'll give it a B. Yeah. Um, what did you make of Burnley's window? They left it late. They did leave it late, as they generally tend to do. They're a very strange club. Um, obviously, the, the three big names they brought in are Ben Gibson, Joe Hart, and uh, Matij Vidra, the young striker, the Czech striker from Derby County, who has always been very good at championship level, but has never shown he's capable at Premier League level. Uh, Joe Hart is a busted flush for me. I, I, I see why they made the signing, given the injuries to Pope and to Tom Heaton, but I just I wouldn't have Joe Hart at my football club. But I do really like the signing of Ben Gibson. I think he's a very, very good centre-back. Um, it gives them good depth now with him, Ben Mee, and, of course, James Tarkowski. Uh, I think the key for them, though, was they were actually able to hold on to everybody. Yeah. That's a big, big thing for that club, is to hold on to their best players. Um, but in terms of what they've done, I, I like Gibson. I don't like the other two signings. I give them a C plus. Yeah, we're, unsurprisingly, after years of doing this, pretty similar. I gave them just a C minus, um, just because they, at the time, they did not build enough to have a Europa League run. This squad would have been dead and tired by January. And it looks like they kind of are already, because they've been playing competitive football since July with the early stages of the Europa League, um, but have just managed to, <laughs> is this a kind way of saying it? They've managed to avoid a long Europa League run. Um, totally agree with you on Ben Gibson. Um, he, he kind of like Johnny Evans this last year, two years ago, he was that center back that was pretty good that a lot of the big clubs were kind of sniffing around but all of them decided to pass on so Burnley picking him up was a great signing as you said strengthening at center back um, depth wise was something they desperately needed to do because they only had two center backs Um, so bringing in somebody else uh, there was good Um, Joe Hart I I largely agree with you but I think if there's any system where he can succeed it's at Burnley Um, so I think that that was an absolutely fine signing Vidra was kind of the strange one for me because last year they already had this huge battle up front between um, Wood and Vokes and uh, ooh, who's the third one? I should know this. Um, so they were already dealing with that and just throwing another hat into the mix, hoping you get something good out of it. When I think Chris Wood has been perfectly fine in that system as far as uh, already, just felt a little bit strange. He did lead lead the uh, championship in goals last year, so. I mean, I can understand wanting to do it. I just didn't really understand the direction of it. Um, but all in all, uh, yeah, maybe c is a little harsh. As you say, they held on to people like DeFore and Brady, Heaton and Pope. They're all injured <laughs> at the moment, but they did hold on to them, and you'd assume that they'll get better once those guys are back. Um, but but for the grade, I put a C-, minus, but they may be a, a little on the harsh side. Yeah, I mean, I think the big one for them is holding on to Tarkowski because I know Liverpool were very keen to get mm-hmm. him. Um, it, as it turns out, it's worked out well for Liverpool because Joe Gomez has been given his chance, but we'll get on to them later. Yep. Um, so do you want to take Cardiff? Uh, yeah. So um, this was an A window if they were still in the championship. 
Yes. But they're not. Like, Murphy was fantastic for Norwich last season. I actually got to cover a couple of, of his matches last year. And he was just always so bright on the left, even without the ball. Just always seemed a threat. Bobby Reed scored 25 goals. Um, Cunningham is, is a competent left back. I mean, he kind of is what he is at this point. But he's still one of the best at his position at, at the championship level. Um but it's it's just hard to grade them when you feel like the intention was to brace for the championship instead of to thrive in the Premier League. Because if that was their intent, you can't give them something like a D because they weren't trying to get an A on that scoring system. You know what I mean? So it's it's just kind of weird. So for for the the format's sake, I'll say a D for the Premier League, but an A for long-term strategy. But just a, a very clear sign for me that Cardiff are, were more interested in solidifying their championship status next year positively than keeping their Premier League status this season. Yeah, no, I, I'm in complete agreement with you here, Kev. This is a very, very good window for a championship team. Um, this is the type of window that, say, Aston Villa could have had and been yeah. very, very happy with it and, and gone on to win the championship with this season. But for a team in the Premier League, I just I don't see it as a good window. I think... I think they've been clever in a way in that a lot of these deals are, you know, X amount down and X amount if they stay up and all the players are are tied into longer term contracts and whatever. So in terms of if they go down, they're protected. They haven't, you know, blown their budget out of the water and they have players who they know will thrive at the championship level. But I just I don't see them having a particularly good season like you. I'm giving this a D. I'll give it a D plus just to be different. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think even, like, Neil Warnock just reeks of the championship anyway, and I, I just think that's what they've done here. I, like, I like, I really like Josh Murphy. I think him and his brother, um, who's obviously at Newcastle, yeah. are very good players. And But, again, you know, the brother has, has struggled in the Premier League as well at times, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think Bobby Reid is going to translate as, as quickly as they would like. I think yeah. he's a good player, and I think he can, ha- he can in, in time, score Premier League goals but not enough to keep them up. I'll give it a D plus. Yeah, um, not, not to this, disrespect a, a recent departure of yours, but maybe a little Ings-like? Yeah, definitely. And, and to be fair, though, like, why weren't they in for Danny Ings? Yeah. Do you know? Like, there was Premier League clubs... Somebody that's already top, gone through that process. Yeah, and who is now kind of, you know, established and adjusted to the Premier League. So, for me, I just think they spent money on players when they could have bought a higher standard of player for the same kind of money. Um, moving on to Chelsea then, the first of the so-called title contenders. Um, sorry, Arsenal, but you know, you're rebuilding. So um, <laughs> I think the big thing for them this this year is obviously that they kept Angola Conte, they kept Eden Hazard. Um, they brought in Matteo Kovacic from Real Madrid on loan, who I love. I think he's he's going to be a great player for them. Um, the big money buys obviously are Jorginho from Napoli and Kepa from Athletic Bilbao. Now, I like both of those players, but I think they've massively overspent on both of those players. I think Jorginho is very important to the new manager, uh, Sari. I think he's very important to how he sets his team up, how the team plays, but he hasn't looked particularly good defensively in the opening games of the season. Uh, I think Kepa's going to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but you've paid $72 million for him at the same time. So you've now sold, he like has to be. He has to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world immediately. 
I mean, Thibaut Courtois is one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and they've taken a 40 million loss in switching goalkeepers. Now, there's reasons for that, obviously, that we won't get into. But at the same time, I don't know that they had to go and spend that kind of money to replace him. I think they could have gotten a, a really, really good goalkeeper for probably half that kind of money and, and not seen much of a drop-off. Um, I, think th- I think they panicked this summer because obviously there's issues with Abramovich, there's issues with him getting his money, and I think they've just gone all in in the hope that they can get back into the top four and then be self-sustaining after that. But I, I think they've panicked, and I'm only going to give this window a B-. minus. Yeah, I'm going to be much harsher <laughs> than you were. Um, because, Dave, they, they did it again. They did that thing again where they get worse by spending more money at a position. Like, I know there are extenuating circumstances with Courtois to Capa, but the fact that they, they've done it again for like a third consecutive year is just astounding to me that they continue to spend to get worse. It's a novel business idea. Probably not a good one. Um, And then they've done something in central midfield that is just insane to me. Yes, Kovacic, insanely talented. You only have him for a year. No buy option. You bring in Jorginho, very talented. No sorry system. Both excellent players. But bringing both of them in basically means that Bakayoko, who you've already loaned out, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who has had no starts this season, and Drinkwater, who we kind of knew wasn't that great, all have no future at the club. And the idea of blocking off Ruben Loftus-Cheek and potentially Barkley and potentially Ampadu, which is a far greater crime further down the road, to bring in Kovacic for one season is a ridiculous move. It reminds me of when United blocked off both Martial and Rashford with Ibrahimovic for a short-term deal. And then that messed up the future of two of their most talented players. Like, where's Ibrahimovic now? The U.S. Did Martial or Rashford reach their potential? No. No. Because you, you got blocked off by a player that was never part of the long-term plan. And yes, didn't Ibrahimovic help them win the Europa League title that year? I think that was that year. He so did, like, but, Yeah, it works but, short-term, but it short-term. is very damaging to the development of some of these players, especially a player like Loftus-Cheek, who made his Premier League loan last year. He was ready. He was ready yeah. to come into this Chelsea team and at least play a part. I'm not saying start 38 matches, but he was ready for those Premier League minutes. And instead, you're going to give those minutes to Kovacic to get his reputation back up to get his confidence flowing again and then send him back to Madrid and then next year you have to figure out what to do with Ruben Loftus-Cheek again yeah that's the thing like you look at the midfield they're going to play nominally a three it's going to be Jorginho deeper Kante will have like a roving destroyer role Kovacic will probably be the most attacking of the midfielders but as you say Ruben Loftus-Cheek could have been that attacking midfielder for them and there's your your first three Jorginho, Kante and Loftus-Cheek and then you've still got Sesk and you've still got uh, Ross Barkley as depth. So that's yeah. five very good midfielders. And you've got Danny Drinkwater. And I know he's not good enough for a club like that. He's not good enough to play the level they want to play. But the guy was a key part of a team that won a title. And he's a decent football player. Yeah. So he's not bad as a sixth midfielder. That's a great unit. You didn't have to do anything. Now all you're doing is paying a lot of money to a guy who's only there to boost his own confidence and get back to his level. If he does really well, he'll go to Real, go back to Real, and they'll either keep him or they'll sell him for a whole ton of money because you haven't agreed a future price. Or if he does really badly, you're not going to want to keep him. So, yeah, that's, I mean, 
it's a silly move, but I can I think they did it to try and pacify the fan base. Yeah. In and the I, same way, I'm, I'm not saying they they're not better because they have Kovacic. It's just even if they win something this year, they've damaged they've potentially damaged the future of some of their talented yeah. players. What's the long term plan? I don't think there ever is a long term plan at Chelsea though. Which is fair. And that's always been my issue with the, the Abraham Vajira. There's no long long term plan. I mean, you look at the list of players they've got out in loan, Kev. Um, sell them. Just sell them. Sell Michi Batshuayi. Sell Kurt Zuma. Sell all the other guys that you've got on loan. Sell VT Arnhem. Sell these guys. Let them move on with their careers. All they're doing is stunting the growth of these young players. And it's not just Ruben Loftus-Cheek. We have seen this time and time and time again at Chelsea Football Club in the Abramovich era. There's no production of young players. They have the best academy in the country when it comes to winning. Like, look at the, it's the laundry close. list. It's incredible. The talent they have. And how many of them are making the first team? None. Not one. And, and Andreas Christensen's another one there who should have should already be established first choice, your best centre-back. Last year, they brought in Antonio Rudiger, who's not all that particularly good, and he's taking Christensen's spot. And Christensen has the potential to be one of the best centre-backs in the world. Yeah. But you've stunted his growth. And they're doing it again with Loftus-Cheek. We've seen it. They've done, they did it with Michi as well, you know, up front. He, they bought him in, one of the best young strikers in the world. And just never really gave him a chance. Had Costa in front of him, sold Costa, and then brought Morata to block him off. That's it. It's just, it's such a weird, weird way to operate. And yeah, the more I talk about it, I'm dropping the grade to a C. <laughs> yeah, and, and I gave them a D, which may have been evidenced by the vitriol I was spewing at them. But just very strange stuff. And again, admitting, they might have a better chance at winning something this year because they brought in Kovacic. But mm. I, I'm I'm concerned about what it means long term. But it, as you said, this isn't new news. I should not be shocked by this, but somehow I am <laughs> every time. Um, for Crystal Palace, um, pretty simple but effective window for them. They bring in uh, Vicente Guaita and Max Meyer on free transfers, and they bring in Sheku Coyote for Cuyate, Cuyate for nine point five million, and then Jordan Ayew on loan. Just four players in. But the squad was fairly settled. The one issue with this window is that it assumed that Benteke would bounce back, which in their defense, statistically, seemed Mm. accurate. Um, Having seen him this season, he is taking a few more shots early instead of that like overly ponderous thing he was doing lately. Um, But this team does not work if Benteke continues to not score goals. Because bringing in Ayu... Well, potentially IU fixes this because it means IU can play out on the wing and Zaha can play as that center forward role that he did when Crystal Palace finally started racking up points last season. Um, but all in all, I, I think it was a, a decent window. But again, I, I think they didn't bring in another striker because they thought Benteke would get going. I mean, they brought in Sorloth in January. Um, he's basically a Nordic Benteke anyway. Mm. Um, so it's not really like a change of pace option. It's just like another big aerial duel winning center forward. Um, but on the whole, bringing Guaita, eventually he'll take Hennessy's spot and be better there. Uh, Kuyate basically replaces um, the central midfield duties of... Johan Kabai, Max Meyer, kind of fulfills the attacking duties of Johan Kabai, so kind of split that player into two, but for just $9.5 million combined on, on the buy, because there have been rumors about Max Meyer's um, 
wage packet, and I don't want to talk about a man's money, um, but it's either a lot or not as much <laughs> um, to get yeah. him in on that free. Um, but I, I think that this is very simple but effective business. I'm giving them a B. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I, I like Max Meyer if he's used properly. I just don't know that Roy Hodgson is the manager to use him properly. I think he needs to be used in a role similar to what Jorginho will play for Chelsea, that mm. deep-lying playmaker. That's where he's had success at Chelsea Oh, did you like season. that when they switched him? Yeah, I, th- I, think it, I think it revived his career because I think he was going down the toilet very, very rapidly. Um, he'd had two terrible seasons leading into that one, and he was, he was excellent last year. Um, I like Cheku Kiate. I think he's done well at West Ham. There's obviously you know, some muscle niggles that he deals with, but I think, I think he's a good player. At that money, you, know, you can't argue. Um, Jordan Ayew is a fine bench player, and you know that's all you can really ask for him. Um, what what they've really done—that's you know their big thing—is they've kept Wilfred Zaha. But yeah. you know, you mentioned the failure to you know bring in at least competition for Benteke, if not a replacement. My worry is the other end of the field. They're relying massively on Mamadou Sacco to stay fit. True. Because he, he is that defense. When, well, when they're he relying plays, on him and Tompkins, who has developed well, but also has injury issues. Yeah, and the other, I mean, their backups are Martin Kelly, also massively injury prone, and Jarrow Riedeveld, who just de- didn't settle at all last year. And I think isn't a center back. Like yeah, naturally. it's probably it's probably more of a of a left back, like a non-attacking left back. Yeah, I, I think he's even um, probably better in in defensive midfield than he is at centre back. Yeah, it, it's possible. That is possible. I mean, he's played there. He's played there in the past. So I, I would worry about their lack of depth. Um, when when they've got their best eleven out, they're certainly a very solid mid-table team. They they, they won't have any problems if everybody stays fit and if Benteke finds even. Fifty percent of his Aston Villa form, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but again, all pressure falls on the shoulders of one man, and that's Wilf Saha. And if he has a drop or gets injured, they might be screwed because Hodgson's whole system seems to be set up to just get the ball to Zaha, and if it doesn't work, they just they look completely shorn of ideas. I mean, you've got Andros Townsend on one wing who can only do one thing in the football field, and that's cut inside and welly it really hard with his left foot. You've got Jeffrey Schlupp on the other wing, who's got one thing he's good at, which is running really fast and then whipping crosses in. Um, aside from that... Both of I, which I work know. if Benteke is putting the ball in the net. Exactly, 
exactly. They, it'll work if he's playing. Now, if that mid, if that midfield pairing works out, I mean, they've got other. They've got Milojevic, um, who's another very good midfielder. So if, if they find a midfield system that works for them, perhaps they can, you know, get some traction there. I do like their first choice defense. Juan Basaka, I think, is, is fantastic. Yeah, young, young right back. Um, and credit and I, to them, since we just complained about Chelsea doing it, credit to Crystal Palace for not seeing Ward's issues and then being like, oh, we need to go buy a right back and instead yeah. giving Wambasaka a chance. Giving him a chance and he's, he's just run with it. I, I like Patrick Van Arnholds on the left. I think he's a good attacking left back. And I think it works well with him and Schlupp because Schlupp is naturally a left back as well. And, you know, they've both played left back and wing in their career. So they can switch and, and move. And that's quite good. And I, I like, you know, when... when Tompkins and Kelly and Sacco are all fitting on, on top of the game. It's a solid unit. Like you can play Sacco and either the other two, and you can play you know the other two together, and they'd be fine. They won't concede many goals, but it's the injuries that worry me um, with with Palace. I I think it's hard. Like I give them a B plus for what they actually did, given what they spent, but because they. They just didn't back the manager at all this summer for me. I think they needed to go out and spend 30 or 40 million, not nine and a half. Um, so as a club, I'm giving them a C. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving them a B, but I see where you're coming from. And I, I don't think I realize how thin that back line is, but agree with you that the first, the first iteration of it is a fairly talented one. Um, hmm. All right, when we decided to do this rotating system this year, I did not realize that that would mean you'd get to take the lead on Everton, but have fun. Of course it did. This is part <laughs> of my master plan. <laughs> Hashtag God's plan. Um, once again, Everton have proven that they don't know what to do with money. Um, uh, uh, Rick Harlison is a good player, but he disappeared for six months last year, and you're paying $50 million for him? I mean... You know, please. Do you buy into um, any of the theory that baked into that fifty million was the compensation that the FA said that they could owe Watford for tampering with uh, Marco yeah, Silva? Yeah, possibly. But you know, how much is Marco Silva worth? I mean, I I like Marco Silva. I think he's a very good appointment for them. And I think if they give him time, and they've got this new director of football in that they took from PSV, if they give those guys time, they could build a team together that can do something impressive at Everton. Um, but I, I, when you're spending that kind of money, even if, say, if it's 43 million for Ricardoson and 7 million for, for Silva, um, I still think that's overpaying for Ricardoson. I mean, 25 to 30 million I would have been fine with because I think there's a player in there, but it's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very rough diamond. Um, Lucas Digne has been trash for about five years, um, was once a promising left back, now is a very mediocre left back. Bernard on a free is an interesting one because it goes one of two ways. Either he finds his very best form, in which case they've got a really talented player, or he doesn't and he struggles with the physicality of the league, in which case you're paying a ridiculous amount of money to someone that you know won't be in your team. Um, I do love the signing of Yerry Mina. I think he's a hugely talented centre-back. But again, Barcelona have included a buyback clause. So if he does well, they're just going to take him back and you're not going to make a whole lot of profit. Um, Kurt Zuma, you know, he's one of them. He's one of those really talented young centre-backs who decided that Chelsea was the next move in his career <laughs> and his career has cratered. And he was... And we Look, we did this podcast last year, Kevin. We spoke about him going to Stoke and we thought that was a good good move for yeah. Stoke. 
to get them in, and he was terrible for them. And now they I all were think, because we loved. They, I mean, they brought in three center backs. They brought in Bruno Martinsindi, him, and Kevin Vimmer, who had just done an amazing yeah. job deputizing for Vertonghen. Only left because he wanted to get a World Cup spot. And, and somehow the combination of the three of them in front of Butland was so awful they got relegated. And it really yeah. kind of made me have to reevaluate which of those players I rated because individually I thought they were all fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. But again, that's the thing. Individually, they, they are all good players. It's just the combination, I think, largely down to who the managers were as well. Mark Hughes is terrible. And Paul Lambert just has no business manager football club anymore. Um I just don't think they ever figured out the proper balance. And it was too late. By the time they got the right back in in January, everything was a bit skewed. But again, he'll he'll try again. And there is potential. But the problem for me is Kurt Zuma is a right-side centre-back. Yerry Mina prefers to play right-side centre-back. And Michael Keane, who they spent a whole buttload of money on last year, is a right-side centre-back. You've got three guys for one position and nobody to play the other side. So Phil Jagielka is still being trotted out in his wheelchair with it getting up in a Zimmer frame and, you know, pottering around the field. I don't understand what the thought was there. Um, and Andre Gomez, I mean, look, this is basically his last chance to revive his career because he has been yeah. nothing short of garbage since Barcelona bought him. He wasn't fantastic at Valencia. And we all kind he, of knew. Yeah. Like when like, Barcelona yeah. bought him, we were all like, uh... What are they doing? What are they doing? And now, like, it's almost as if, you know, Everton went in, wanted Jerry Mina. He was the one they were linked with for months. And Barca said to him, right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to give us 27 <laughs> million. We're going to insert a buyback clause for about 32. And not only are we going to screw you that way, you're also going to give us 18 million for Lucas Dina. And you're going to take this Andre Gomez guy on loan. And if you don't like it, you're getting none of them. Or you can have all of them. And it's like a package deal. Some sort of like, you know, like an all-inclusive holiday that they've gone on. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I love the Mina signing. I think the Bernard signing could work. And if they paid real money for it with Carlison and not a lunatic fee, I'd like that as well. But Dina and Gomez are just their bad signings. And Kurt Zuma just isn't. He's not someone you can rely on. Um, and like you look at what they did in terms of their outs as well. Like I mean, they sold Davy Classen for twelve million a year after spending twenty five on him. Like they sold, they let Rooney go to DC United after making such a fuss about bringing him back last year, and it really does just shit over last year's window. Like we had said at the time, it was a bad window. But I, I think to take this window, I'll give it a C plus, largely because of Mina. But I, I don't like what they've done here. Yeah, I've been a little bit kinder with a B minus, but as you said, the, oh, oh, I saw a fantastic set about this. It was something like six of their signings from last summer are already gone, either on loan or, or um, sold. Um, let's see. Uh, you got Rooney, who you already mentioned. Uh, Sandra Ramirez immediately out on loan. Um, who else was there? Klaassen, who you mentioned. Anya Kuro. Right, yeah. It's It's just like... There's definitely a couple of others as well. Oh, right. Vlasic has gone on loan oh, as well yep, to CSKA yep, yep. Moscow. Yeah, it's a bizarre situation. And I mean, look, they didn't know what they were doing last summer. And hopefully they'll sort it out. Because look, for me, I'm a Liverpool fan. Everybody knows that. But I like when there's a strong Everton because it's good for the city of Liverpool to have you know two good teams in the city. Because you know, United, Manchester has two good teams. London has three good teams. 
you know, so it's good for Liverpool to have two good teams. It's also good for the Premier League to have another good team, mm-hmm. another team that can, you know, compete for that kind of five, six, seven thing and make it a real battle. But, uh, you know, I just don't think they're there yet. I think they they might get there, but they're not there yet. Yeah. Um. Interestingly, I, I'm a little higher on the Richarlison signing than you are. Um, just because I've fully bought in statistically on the under Marco Silva, not under Marco Silva, like dichotomy. Um, but uh, Yeri Mina, who you seem to be very excited about, is very talented, obviously, finally made his move to Barcelona after that being on for like three calendar years. Um, but um, the uh, Center for Sports Studies that often puts out kind of the financial breakdowns of stuff have him as the fourth most overpaid for player which seems harsh. And when I initially saw it, I was like, eh, that feels that feels a little mean. But if you think about the way the market moves, buying a World Cup star, which he undoubtedly was with the goals that he scored, is business-wise a dangerous purchase, but fan base-wise is always a good purchase because yeah. the fan base is then excited because they just saw this guy being fantastic at the World Cup. And I am biased here. I think Davinson was the far better of the two of them defensively. But what Mina was offering um, going forward and as a partner, I thought was was fantastic. Obviously, the goals were fantastic. I just think we need to be a little bit careful to not Ramos up um, Mina a little bit, where he scores goals and you're like, wow, he's a good defender because he scores goals. And you're like, wait, what? Um, but anyway, I, I, I just think I've balanced all of them out. I think I like Richarlison a little more, like Mina a little less, like Digne a little more, like Gomez even less than you do. Um, but all in all, I think we're at a pretty similar place. Um, but I think they've addressed some key positions, and they've already looked better. And again, I, I am a little bit recency biasing a little bit because we have seen these players now, uh, unlike some of these previous uh, transfer wrap-ups that we've done. So uh, I've given them a B-, minus, but C-, minus. I can see. I, I think we're just both flirting around the same ideas here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, heading into Fulham. Literally wrote down A, I think, just because we talked about it with Brighton before. They basically added an 11 to their yeah. club. Like, it, it is just such a a brash window that it almost makes me recoil a little bit, despite the fact that individually they're good. I think in their favor, the window this reminds me of is Watford's, their first year up. Where we were like, oh, they're all just panic buying and they're about to go down. Because that window reminded us of QPR. When QPR basically added a whole 11 and they had no idea who each other were. And they immediately went down, save for Charlie Austin. Because he just scored, what, like 17 goals that year? I digress. The individual players that Fulham have bought this year were largely both good values and very good players. I mean, bring in Jean-Michel Serri after you and I talked about whether or not Tottenham or Liverpool would get him last summer. Like, yeah. that's that's the level that he's at. He did not get worse last year. I think he just got a year older, and so then people realized he wasn't, like, a prospect anymore. But the talent is still there, and he's he, it's been on display since he's come over. He is fantastic. So $40 million for the combination of Serie and Le Marchand, absolutely fine. Great deals. Um, bringing in Andre Sherla on loan. I'm not really sure what the goal is there, but decent player. I mean, the, the, the obvious ones for me are Mitrovic up front bringing him in on a permanent after seeing what he did for Fulham last year um we've spoken with um Russ Goldman who who comes on the uh full shows to talk about Fulham and he keeps talking about how the the underwritten story here is how much respect Mitrovic has for Jokanovic 
um, and his standing in Serbian football. And so, like, Mitrovic doesn't act out the way he did at Newcastle under Jokanovic because it's somebody he really respects and admires. Um, and the talent was never the issue for Mitrovic. It was just if he could get his head on right. And both the tactics they play, the manager he plays for, that has been like this perfect melding for Mitrovic thus far. And, and he has everything required to be one of the better strikers in the world. I don't think he'll get there. I think he's missing some key stuff in between the ears. And, and maybe also um, passing-wise doesn't really offer a great range of passing, which you would kind of want. Um, but he's he's a fantastic signing. And for a club like Fulham, whose primary objective is to just stay in the Premier League, Mitrovic yeah. was a fantastic signing. Um, Mawson for $20 million, how they managed that when there was supposed to be a bidding war between three different clubs that started at 25 I, I very much don't know. Um, much like we were just talking about goal-scoring center backs, I think Mawson's hype is a little bit higher than his ability just because he does score from set pieces. But those goals don't not count, if that makes sense. And he, he's a competent defender. Um, pairing him with Callum Chambers, you have some questions about. But um, all in all, I think they strengthened the defense from where it was last year. Um, not being able to get back um, Matt Target from Southampton, I think, was a little bit of a blow. I think Joe Bryan is below that level uh, where Target was. Um, and then the, the last day of the window, bringing in Vieto and uh, Anguisa is probably one of the best deadline days that anybody had. But but again, it's it's just 11 new people and how were they going to fit in? But but individually all fantastic signings. So, like I said, I think it's in A. I guess it just depends on where they end up at the end of the season. Yeah, I I've got it as an A as well. I think it's a very good window, but there's a couple of question marks. I like Le, Mar- Le Marchand, but it, my question would be he's 28 and at that price is he worth that? If he keeps them up, if he helps keep them up, then absolutely. Um, but that balances with Jean Michel Seri, who there was talk before the summer that he was going to cost forty to forty-five million pounds to they maybe Barcelona. For, yeah, to Barcelona, to to Chelsea, to Man City, to to Napoli to replace Jorginho. He's a very, very, very good player. And as with Lucas Torreira, who's obviously a very similar player, he's one of my you know, favourite signings that any Premier League club has made this year. Um, I like the signing of Fabri just to give them another option in goal. They obviously brought in Sergio Rico from Sevilla on deadline day two um, on loan. So they've, they've, you know, they've improved themselves in the goalkeeping position um, and not spent a whole lot on it. Mitrovic, you, you said what, what needs to be said. He'll go one of two ways. Either he'll be very good or he'll be a disaster. I hope he's very good because I, I do like him and I, I like Fulham as a club. Most and again, like what is it that they've they've waited for these kind of bidding wars to peter out when nobody's got the player and then just kind of hung around and then a week later got in and go, okay, I know you were looking for this, but here's half the amount. What do you say? <laughs> um, and, and they've got him as well. Like you say, Joe Bryan, he's solid, but he, he's not really a Premier League ready yet, but he might get there. Um, and Guise is a very good signing. They've spent a lot of yeah. money on him, but he's a very good signing. He is... Him and Seri together is going to be a hell of a pairing. Um, they brought in, obviously, five guys on loan as well. Callum Chambers has the potential to be a very good centre-back, but he's never had a manager since he was at Middlesbrough who's willing to put in the time with him and develop him yeah. and work out the fundamentals. Hopefully he'll get that now. Um, I'd like to see this become a permanent move for him. Even if this season doesn't go particularly brilliantly, I'd like to see him stay there long term and be developed 
Uh, Fosu Mensa is a, on loan, it's a great signing. The, he's a fantastic talent. He could be anything he wants to be a right back, a centre back, or a defensive midfielder. He's one of the biggest talents Holland has. Um, so it's good business to get him in on loan, even if they've got very little chance of ever keeping him long term. Uh, Rico, I've mentioned, and Luciano Vieta. Vieto, when he was at Villarreal a couple of years ago, he looked like he was going to be a star. He yeah. went to Atletico Madrid, it didn't work. He went to Sevilla on loan, it didn't work. Now he's landed at Fulham. I think he's a good option off the bench. And if he finds his best form, him and Mitrovic could be a fun pairing, a little enlarged type. Um, I think he's a better playmaker than a goal scorer, but he's a very good player, very talented. I really like the window, uh, bar... I really don't like Andrea Scherler. I really <laughs> do not like Andrea Scherler. I've never been a fan. Um, and it's a two-year loan as well. I just I don't like it. But look, I, I love most of what they've done. So yeah, it's, a, it's definitely an A from me. Um, moving on then to one of last season's promoted teams, Huddersfield, who have kind of... It's a bit meh, really. Um, it almost feels like th- the magic is gone. It does, yeah, it does. I think they've, look, I think they've done really well to bring back Lossel because I know there was interest in him from other places and he was very good for them last year. Ramadan Sophie, I really like. I think he's got huge potential and they got him at a bargain price, especially when you consider they sent sent away Tom Ings, um, I think, for more, wasn't it? They got 10 million for Tom Ings and then bought Sophie for six or something like that. So that that's good. Eric Durham has talent, but he's massively inconsistent. Adama Diakbi is the same. Terence Congolo is the same. Like It's a bunch of guys that if they all click and if it all works and if Wagner can develop them, the, the talent is definitely there. But there's question marks over every single player they signed this summer, bar Jonas Lossel. Yeah. You know, so for me... Unfortunately, I think it's a C minus, and I think this might be the end of the road for Huddersfield in the Premier League. Yeah, I've given them a D for almost exactly the same reasons. I don't understand why, in a window where a club like Fulham or, or any of the others that, that we've mentioned that were on low budgets that did well, like Bournemouth or uh, for me, Palace, you, you didn't like that window as much. Um, why couldn't they get at least like stable players? Like, Congolo on his day is a very, very good. As you mentioned, Sobi has a lot of potential. Durham has had his day. Diakabi seems a decent signing. But none of them are inspiring. And I don't think any of them, maybe short of Congolo and Durham, can you guarantee are going to be in the starting 11 more weeks than not? Mm. Like, this squad needed improve. Like, last year was a miracle that they stayed up. You have to improve on that squad, otherwise you'll be in that situation again, which is what happened to, to, to Swansea at the end of their Premier League tenure. And they just d- didn't. Like, they brought in players with the potential to be better than their current players, but I'm not sure that they're automatically displacing them, and I feel like they needed a genuine quality boost. Um, so anyway, I've given them a D, and I do think they go down this year. Um, we will wrap up with Leicester on this segment so that Dave can start off with Liverpool on the Anfield index side, which again, we'll plug at the end so that you know how to get on that side. Um, Leicester City, I've given them an A. I think this was a very, very underrated window. Um, bringing in Pereira to fix their right back problem that they had had for a couple of years, I thought was fantastic. They brought him in early in the window before people knew where the prices were. So $17.5 million for him seems very good business. Um, they're the ones that land Johnny Evans after everybody tried in January. 
uh, basically everybody in the top six. You and I have and look look what they landed them for. Wow. Yeah, right. Um, Three point five million. Exactly, and then they land a player that Tottenham and Liverpool were fighting over for years when he was in the Championship in James Madison. And as much as I would have loved to have him, and, and I'm sure you would have loved to have him, Leicester is probably a better move for his development yeah. just because he's going to get the minutes. And we've seen that since the minute he walked in the door. That the, He's basically the creative replacement to Mares. I mean, not positionally, but he's the one that's taken on a lot of that creative weight. Um, and I, I think he's going to develop very well and very quickly for them. Um, so $20 million for him, again, with, with big clubs sniffing around, I think was very good business. And they got that one done relatively early as well. <laughs> I don't know about this Danny Ward signing. I, I know he was supposed to be Liverpool's number one, um, but um, uh, not really sure why they felt the need to spend that much money. I know Hammer left, but th- that feels like a lot for a backup goalkeeper. Rashid Ghazal, um, the literal replacement to Mares, pro- definitely not as talented, but um, provides what, what they've been missing on the right. But what's been really interesting to me is how much Albrighton has stepped up in Mares's absence. Um, cause right now it's kind of hard to see Gazal getting past Albrighton and Damari Gray, who both of us like it and, and has been developing yeah. well. Love um, it. so Gazal, I think a good signing in case one of those things stops happening, but not getting into the team right now. And then two future buys and Benkovic and Soyanku, like both of them, uh, maybe a little pricier than you'd expect for prospects, but I think both are very talented. I think Benkovic ended up at Celtic. I, I don't, did they hold on yes. to Soyanku? N- they did. Okay. Um, so, so that's just interesting to see how they split that up. But, like, they basically brought in – this is the right balance. Like, we were talking about Arsenal had the wrong balance of players. Like, Pereira and Evans are experienced but not old, not coming off horrible seasons. Well, Evans, you could kind of argue. Then you bring in the young players like Madison, Benkovic, Sianku. It just felt like a – like, while it was similar and that they had, like, that old, young, experienced, inexperienced split, for some reason this feels like a healthier, done version of it. I love this window. This is one of my favorite windows that any club has had anywhere in Europe this year. Um, it's an A-plus for me. I think to get Johnny Evans at $3.5 million is the bargain of the summer. He's a, he's a solid, quality Premier League centre-back. Um, he can be a starter. He can be a backup. He can play either full-back position as well. So I, just, I don't think you can quibble with that one at all. Ricardo Pereira most highly rated right backs in Europe mm-hmm. um, very very good player can play right back or right wing obviously they got him at a good price too and like you said they got him early before kind of anybody else had time to get their, get their crap together Madison's a brilliant signing at 25 million I mean I don't understand why Spurs didn't sign him because for me I'd have been going for him as your backup to Ericsson yeah. and Deli Ali yeah. um, I think he's fantastic but you're right it's the perfect move for him because he's going to start every game. He's going to develop. He's going to develop with Damari Gray, with Wilfred Ndidi, with Ian Acho. They're going to yeah. develop this young core. And I love what Leicester have done. They've gone from, they won the league, and everybody knew it was like a fluke one-off, won't happen again. question was, where do they go next? And what they're doing now is they're putting together this great young core. And I would include Harry Maguire, who's only 25 in it as well. Um Pereira comes into that mix. Benkovic and Sayonko, as you mentioned, they're just building this really promising group of players. They've got um, that left-back who just made his England debut. Chilwell. Ben Chilwell, exactly. So they're building a really, really exciting young core. 
Um, Gazelle is literally, as you said, literally the replacement for um, for Mares. He's a good player. He's had some injury problems and there's been different things, but he's a good player. And while he's not as talented as Mares, he could, if he finds his best form, replace a lot of the productivity in terms of mm. end product, goals and assists. He'll and never it's be worth the noting, dribbler. Mares was never meant to be Mares. No, no, exactly. He bought Maris for three hundred and fifty grand, and he played left wing back in the first season he was there. So anybody who says that when they signed him, they foresaw him becoming, you know, player of the year and moving to Man City for sixty million is talking to their arse. Um, Benkovic is a very, very, very promising young centre back. <clears throat> they've done well to get him. I know they've paid quite high from. However, the mistake they've made is sending him on loan to Celtic because Brendan Rodgers has never met a defender that he didn't make worse. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned <laughs> there. But Kagdar Sionko is, is a brilliant signing. He is a brilliant signing. And it would not surprise me if by the end of the season, him and Harry Maguire is the starting pair um, for, for Leicester. I think he's a great young defender. He's probably the guy Arsenal should have signed. I, I know I mentioned Issa Diop earlier on, but Kagdar Sionko, Arsenal not only looked at him, but Arsenal met his agent, they met him, they spoke to Freiburg about a fee, and then they went and they stupidly bought Socrates for for the same kind of money. This guy could have been you know, a founding block for that defence for the next 10 years. But their loss is Leicester's gain, and they've yeah. done brilliantly to get him in. And what I like as well, I mean, they knew Mahrez was going. Everybody right. knew Mahrez was going. So they knew they could plan for that, but they kept everybody else. I still think they need to sort out a long-term situation a goal in, in goal because I think I think Casper Schmeichel is, is regressing. I'm not a huge Danny Ward fan. I think mm-hmm. he's a good backup. I think at Premier League level, he's a good backup. And I think next summer, if they were to go out and buy, say, Nick Pope and maybe add another one in midfield um, to go with Ndidi, I know they've got Silva, but you know someone more long-term. I think you're really looking at a team that is going to be they're not going to win the title, but they could develop into a team that can challenge for top four every couple of years, win some domestic cups, and always be solidly in the top eight. And for Leicester City, what more can you ask, really? You know, you've won your Premier League. Right. That's that's that done. Don't think you're going to win another one. But win domestic cups, have good runs in in the Europa League. Um, you know, I, I think I think this is a brilliant window. I really, really do. And it's done at a net spend of about thirty million which you just can't ask for more. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a fantastic window. I give them an A, you give them an A+, and both, uh, I think, again, sim- similar mindsets there. Um, and that will do it for this first half. Uh, Dave, tell the folks where they can find the second half. So the second half will be appearing on Anfield Index. That's at Anfield Index on Twitter, AnfieldIndex.com on your interweb browser, whichever one you use. It better not be Explorer. <laughs> or the world has really moved too fast for you. Cool, yeah, so that'll wrap us up here. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining me, and everybody, we hope you follow us along there in part two. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.